So on the one hand, we have this vast array of activities in outer space, um, many of which promise incredible benefits to our lives here on Earth. On the other hand, we have um, the increasing challenge of, you know, things like orbital debris and um, destructive testing of direct ascent anti-satellite uh, missiles. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Space Policy Show by the Aerospace Corporation. I'm Colleen Stover with the Center for Space Policy and Strategy. Today's show features Dr. Ezene Uzo Okoro. She is Assistant Director for Space Policy at the White House Office for Science and Technology Policy. She'll be talking to Barbara Braun, Principal Director at Aerospace Corporation's Chief Engineer's Office. This is not the first time Barbara's been on, so thank you again for joining us. Questions we'll be asking, how has policymaking for commercial space evolved in light of the increased integration across all new space actors and the need to protect and possibly defend the environment? How do new technologies for on-orbit servicing or development of cislunar ecosystems transform policymaking today? This is the last part of our series on contested space. We've had discussions on Space Force strategy and doctrine with Lieutenant General Deanna Burt and a decadal overview on contested space from our own experts. We've talked about the threat of cyber warfare, the physics of how defending in space works and the defense space workforce. So be sure to check out the other episodes on YouTube or by podcast. Now on to today's discussion. Barbara? Thank you, Colleen. Um, we are thrilled to have Dr. Ezene Uzo-Koro with us here today from the White House Office of Science and Technology Policy. Thank you, Ezene. Um, I, I just have a few questions for you with um, regarding um, your work and uh, commercial policy. You know, over the last few weeks, uh, the Space Policy Show has been talking a lot about contested space. Um, I feel like space is really a cross between an international commons and, and maybe the Wild West. Um, how's U.S. policymaking for commercial space affected by this multinational nature of space? Thank you, Barbara. I want to extend my gratitude to the Aerospace uh, Corporation for the invitation. You know, this audience is, needs no introduction to the many opportunities and challenges that we face uh, within the space domain. And I look forward to discussing um, this. First, I do want to give uh, a brief overview of the White House Office of Science and Technology Policy, which exists to provide the president and others within the executive office of the president with advice on technological, scientific, and um, engineering issues. We lead the entire federal government and science and technology policy coordination efforts and we also serve as a source of uh, analysis and technical judgment for the president with respect to major policies, plans, and programs of the federal government. And our overarching purpose is to strengthen, advance, and use American science and technology to achieve our nation's greatest aspirations. To answer your question specifically, um, you know, operating in the physical environment of space uh, requires a a timely awareness of space weather, 
a timely awareness of lightning conditions, of gravitational topology. In addition to the natural phenomenon, we also um, need to maintain awareness of uh, active spacecraft. So space is also critical to infrastructure here on Earth. And so these assets and the operations of these assets are critical. So we're striving for three things. The first thing we strive for is to transform our, our architectures in space. That way we have the most up-to-date resources to help us both in space and here on the ground. The second thing we strive for is uh, faster delivery of our capabilities to different groups within uh, the US federal government, whether it's on the civil side or on the national security side. And then the third thing is we strive to enhance um, resiliency to meet our goals. And we can't do that alone because space, as you mentioned, is something that um, has uh, global treaties. And so with policymaking, we think of doing things in three ways. And I think this is one of the themes that I hope will come up as we continue to um, talk. Um, how do we lead by example? How do we lead bilaterally? And how do we lead multilaterally? Because this is just not something we can do alone. So that's the way we attack the problem from a policy lens. Yeah, totally agree. And, um, you know, you talked about uh, space's infrastructure, all that it enables here on Earth. And I kind of feel like um, not only the traditional space support to, um, to what we know here on Earth. Um, it's really an exciting time with lots of new regimes and new technologies, uh, cislunar, on-orbit servicing, uh, commercial data, uh, commercial imaging. I, I, I was wondering if you could talk about some of the power of that transformation. Yes, you know, our capacity for innovation is um, a phenomenally powerful engine uh, for change. But a lot of that uh, was built in the last century and aimed at last century's challenges. So here we are with cislunar, with uh, on-orbit servicing, with uh, commercial imaging, Earth observations, remote sensing, space weather. We are looking to shape this richly complex space um, environment so that it can change what's possible for the great challenges of our times today. And this includes uh, some of our work that uh, you've mentioned and, and I've touched on. How do we ensure that the U.S. remains the leader in space with the freedom to act? How do we ensure that the United States remains resilient to the effects of space weather and that we are a space weather ready nation? How do we ensure a smooth transition from the very successful International Space Station um, to a commercial space station before the end of the decade? And this includes obviously bringing together our allies and partners and strategic competitors even uh, to continue decades of scientific research in low Earth orbit. How do we continue to mo uh, monitor and bolster our climate through Earth observations using commercial imaging capabilities as well? How do we um, ensure that space remains sustainable through mitigating, tracking and remediating uh, space debris through regulatory improvements. Um, and of course, how do we continue to explore uh, the moon and beyond using uh, 
not just to the Artemis program, but the principles that are associated with the Artemis Accords and bring other nations um, with us together. So we have a big science and technology transformational components. How do we continue to lead and innovate? How do we continue to bring our international partners um, along with us? How do we um, continue to use space as a resource for national security purposes? And how do we accelerate and innovate um, such that commercial companies have uh, the leadership role and feel empowered uh, by the government to continue to lead and pioneer in areas of space um, research, development, and exploration. That's that's fantastic, and I I I'm struck by the discussion of um, the commercial, the increasing role of commercial, the partnerships between our research, our government research organizations and commercial, you mentioned commercializing uh, the space station um, and uh, the use of um, international partners. I, I was wondering if you could talk too about um, how policymaking has evolved as we've moved from more government agencies to more commercial agencies and as we've developed some of these partnerships between government agencies, defense agencies, commercial agencies, um, any challenges with that? Is it trickier to craft policy to balance uh, the considerations of all these um, different groups? You know, we are at an inflection point in many areas of space research and development and space exploration as space is vital to the US economy and national security. So on the one hand, we have this vast array of activities in outer space, um, many of which promise incredible benefits to our lives here on earth. On the other hand, we have um, the increasing challenge of, you know, things like orbital debris and um, destructive testing of direct ascent anti-satellite uh, missiles. And the governance of uh, those objects and activities dwarf both in number and in complexity to what we've previously experienced. So our goal is to continue to achieve U.S. leadership in space while also maintaining the safety, security, stability, and um, long-term sustainability of, of space, not just in low Earth orbit, not just in cislunar space, um, but also on celestial bodies uh, and beyond. So we tend to look at this from um, three lenses, uh, and I had kind of touched on them before. The first is how we lead by example. An example of that is uh, the vice president over a year ago announcing a ban, a U.S. ban on direct ascent anti-satellite missile tests. The second is bilateral leadership. If you look at uh, some of our work with the UK on space weather, some of our work with um, the Koreans on planetary defense or with the UN copious body, uh, which is you know, the scientific and technological team within the United Nations on um, even cislunar space. And then multilaterally, if you look at our work with um, the G7, uh, orbital debris was a topic there. And, you know, we and six other nations decided to come together and agree that we will promote the sustainability of space and that we will promote 
um, the mitigation and remediation of debris. And the commercial companies in the U.S. have such a strong role to play there because we understand that we can't do it alone. We know that we have to go together. And we're not just going together with our international partners. We're going together with commercial companies because the role of the government continues to be to support, to um, innovate and remain at the cutting edge of research that uh, perhaps the commercial sector um, cannot take on. And we are you know, empowering and looking to the commercial sector to continue to move ahead and remain at the forefront of innovation that um, ensures that the U.S. continues to achieve its leadership goals. Yeah, and I, you know, again, I, I find this, um, it really is, we think of space, of course, as very big and um, very futuristic. I, you know, I'm a I'm all the the Star Wars, Star Trek fans, um, but um, I I love how as you talk about this, right? There was real sense of of not only thinking large, cislunar planetary bodies and so forth, but also thinking long. You know, what is it that uh, we need to do for the long haul? Um, and earlier, you touched kind of on some of the themes: um, infrastructure um, improvement, essentially. Uh, delivery, resilience. I wondered if you could elaborate on some of those themes, uh, national or international themes, or any others that uh, that you think are going to be preeminent in the space enterprise over the next uh, few years, decade, or as long as you want to go. Thank you, Barbara. You know, there is one um, piece of space architecture that I'd like to touch on for civil, uh, commercial, and security applications first, and that's it's on some of the challenges that we face as we see a lot of new activities that are being creating, that are being created, uh, not just by government efforts, but by um, commercial companies. We are looking at, you know, how we influence or how these activities influence the rules of the road. How do these activities influence um, our regulatory environment? Are we accelerating the innovation of these technologies and providing the right demand signal that the government should provide um, at the right speed. And how do we balance what government does first um, or what government focuses on versus what the commercial sector focuses on. And our international partners are critical to our ability to operate in, from, to, and through space. So how are we ensuring that we are deepening these robust partnerships that we have already. So those are some of the questions um, that we think about as we make policy. And then if if we, you know, zoom, zoom out to, okay, what are the trends that we are seeing? We're seeing a lot of, um, we're seeing a lot of interest and a lot of innovation in, Again, low Earth orbit for the benefit of life here on Earth. And in addition to the surface of the moon, with accelerating innovation in the private sector, we are elevating US US projects and our strategic capabilities and also trying to expand our national infrastructure. And it's really an exciting time because we're relying on the private sector to help us through in-space servicing, in-space manufacturing, and in-space 
assembly, we are looking to connect the dots with manufacturing resiliency to ensure that um, our aerospace manufacturers are benefiting from some of the policies of manufacturing that have been done, uh, that have been released in this administration, and there are many of those. And we're also looking at um, further connecting the dots on critical infrastructure here on Earth and ensuring that we're doing what we can to keep it safe from space. Yeah, and you know your your talk about safety, about norms of behavior, and um, about even the the ban on uh, anti satellite destructive anti satellite uh, testing. I, I back when we were talking about transformations, uh, one of the questions that I did have is, what are some of the ways that we would use these transformations, maybe nefariously or, or not in the best interests? And then how do you, do you craft policy or norms of behavior? Or how do you bring the you know uh, an international community along with you, along with us, as uh, as we try to do that? And so you know, thankfully there are international treaties, and we have our own values and laws that prevent us from, uh, that we uphold. And, and so we, we have no interest in sitting down and thinking about nefarious ways to use the technology. We do understand that there are uh, multiple use cases for several technologies. We like to focus on, and again, we like to lead by example to our international partners by following um, the law, and we support on an international stage uh, any any attempt by um, other nations and by us to show that when, for instance, there's a direct descent anti-satellite uh, uh, missile, that those nations are um, take take responsibility and um, there is some accountability there. So we believe uh, very strongly in that, and we tend to just focus on how we can continue to lead so that we use the space environment, not just for the benefit of people here on earth, but to meet our exploration goals. And, you know, the U.S. national space um, policy that we released at the beginning of this administration states that uh, throughout. And as we continue to work with uh, federal departments and agencies on the regulatory environment and new rules of the road, and as we continue to um, update our norms of behavior, I believe that that process, that policy process gives us uh, the, the tools that we need, the framework that we need to ensure that we are meeting our goals while, uh, you know, ensuring that we are following all our laws and international treaties. That's fantastic. And um, along those lines, and I know you've talked about some of this, but uh, maybe you could share with us some other big ticket policies that you've worked on recently or um, where you think the center of gravity for uh, space policymaking is going to be in 2024. You know, we've done a lot of recent work on uh, planetary defense. We've done a lot of recent work this year on aeronautics uh, research policy. We've done work on the low Earth orbit uh, research and development ecosystem that uh, not just includes what we're doing to ensure a successful transition from the International Space Station to a commercially owned station, but also our research at large um, within low Earth orbit. We are um, looking to wrap up a policy effort on, you know, you mentioned commercial imaging, but also on Earth observations. 
And uh, so we're also looking to wrap up an effort on space weather. So I think that those two are uh, some of our efforts that are coming in 2024. And with Earth observations, you know, climate is one of the priorities of this administration and space plays a key role in monitoring uh, through space-based data and uh, space-based observations. And so we think it's important to present a vision for the U.S.'s continued global leadership uh, because we provide Earth observations data, not just for the United States, but for other nations as well. And how do we um, enable, continue to enable and leverage Earth observations data that's provided by the governments, that's provided by commercial entities to address uh, global changes, to address um, equitable access to data, to um, grow the economy, to help create jobs, to enhance environmental sustainability, and also to um, bolster national security, unless we forget, also help to improve public health. So we are looking to, you know, finish this federal government uh, coordination of a, mm -hmm. a policy that will help us um, ensure that we put out a vision that will accomplish all those goals. Yeah, that's that's great. And uh, you mentioned, of course, climate change and, and the role that space can can help us in understanding that and uh, working within that all of these um, you know, we, and earlier, again, we talked about infrastructure and, and space as part of our critical infrastructure. And, you know, I think it's incredible how much we have come to rely on space for these sorts of cutting edge research, this sort of cutting edge um, um, understanding of life on Earth and how to how to better uh, improve life on Earth. Um, and, and then I was just going to ask by two questions, really. One is, uh, what can we expect in terms of the big questions still to be addressed in U.S. and international policy? And then how can industry and academia uh, weigh in on this conversation? You know, we are still looking uh, for every opportunity possible to help improve equitable access to data, to improve environmental monitoring and forecasting, to improve um, access to innovations, to help companies uh, innovate at a, at a more rapid pace. We are still looking for opportunities for uh, bolstering our STEM uh, workforce uh, in different areas of space. Uh, as you very well know, you know, we have lots of different communities and how are we ensuring that the pipeline for all those communities continue to remain strong and that we've got, you know, apprenticeships and we've got uh, internship placements in addition to academic rigor. So we are, you know, to answer the second question, we are open to all kinds of feedback. Uh, we've held several workshops on LEO uh, research and development. We have an upcoming workshop where we will hear from the public as well. So we continue to put out requests for information. Uh, there will be one coming soon on Earth observations as well. So I look forward to hearing from commercial companies and academia. And, you know, we, we look for lots of avenues um, and opportunities to get feedback so that we can improve our, our policymaking process for the American people. That's fantastic. Yeah. And, and um, maybe just one quick 
final observation is uh, that that question of workforce and the pipeline and how we uh, we continue to think long about space and um, and have our, our brightest minds solving these hard problems. That's a conversation that I hear every time I talk to industry or I talk within my own group of, of, of uh, uh, folks here at my company and um, across uh, all the different companies that we work with. Uh, well, Ezene, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, uh, we very much appreciate it, and uh, we look forward to seeing what happens with space policy in uh, 2024 and beyond. Thank you for having me. All right, back to you, Colleen. Thank you to Dr. Uzo Okoro and Barbara for being with us. Ezene has a remarkable history in the world of space, so I encourage viewers to look it up online. I'm very happy she agreed to be on the show. And she's really given us a taste of all the players and partnerships that are involved in making space policy today, and the many questions they must seek to answer, balancing many moving parts, while also preserving the freedom of action in space for all users. I look forward to what else comes out of that office at the White House. Everyone, our research and our events are all available at csps.aerospace.org. You can browse all of our shows on our YouTube playlists or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you to our technical team, James Liggins and Max Siegel. Until next time. <laughs>